I was like, how the fuck am I going to sell Tupperware on Swanee's campus? Can you imagine if mm-hmm. I had done that? But I remember mm-hmm. that being a thing and I like erased that from my memory, but yeah, your girl was almost a girl boss. <laughs> Nelly, I could have been on this podcast being like, so my Tupperware sales are kind of down this <laughs> <day>. <laughs> Welcome to Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we unpack elements of pop culture through a feminist lens. I'm Pate. And I'm Nelly. Hey, girl. So I'm currently in a hotel, motel, <laughs> Holiday Inn, as Pipple says. <laughs> Living no. the lavish luxury. The lap of luxury? I said lavish luxury. The, lap the of life luxury. of li- The lap of luxury. Yeah. So I'm at my cousin's wedding in Decatur, Alabama. I only brought my AirPods. That's why my sound quality might not be as good as Nelly's, but that's okay. Yeah, with me with my Xbox headset. (laughs) We've really upgraded. Ever since Mason came on the pod, we're like, we need to upgrade our sound system. Shout out to Mason. I hope you're listening. I miss you. Shout out, Mason. We love you. Oh, wait. He and Cameron might be on sometime soon for one year. Mm -hmm. One year anniversary. You got to plan that. I don't know if you want to keep that in, but no, I'll keep can... it in. Y'all, we're coming up on one year of feminist fiends. So hit us up with what you'd look what you're looking for in a one year ep- episode. Yeah. It could be anything. The Literally world is our oyster, but we're thinking we've kind of already I don't know. We've, we've already decided. We've already kind of made promises make... to some former guests. <laughs> Maybe Sam Young can come back on and be our fourth guest. Like Oh, no, wait, that's his third time. That would be third. Also, that would... Oh, yeah. I, I'm already jumping ahead. Sam Young would come back. I'm sure he's listening right now. He'd be down. Sam Young. We could just bring back texting. every former guest and just have a really big Zoom where no one knows who anyone's talking because this is a podcast. It's not <laughs> It's not a video. So we could just confuse people. We could just yeah. bring on... And probably also all, all those people are the people that are listening. So they'll know. <laughs> Sam Young and I have been texting because I just read Call Me By Your Name. Um, very good book, but I had, you know, it's a lot. So you have to like, I had to decompress and then talk to someone about it. And so we've been texting and also Sam Young likes all of my updates on Goodreads. He is a true fan. He loves Goodreads. That's his favorite form of social media. Like literally I could be like, Pate read five pages of Pride and Prejudice and he would like it. And I'm like, wow. Thank um, you, Sam. Well, well, yeah. So Pate is in um in a hotel. I am still recovering from gum surgery, but I probably sound much better than I did last week, slash more excited. So thanks y'all for bearing with me the past two weeks when I was post J and J vaccine and then post um post mouth surgery. So I get my stitches out on Monday, which is today, the day the episode is being released. Um so I'll keep y'all updated on my journey. <laughs> um well let's dive into some updates. Um As y'all know, it's been nearly a week since the verdict of the Derek Chauvin trial was read. While this guilty verdict is a huge step, it is not justice. Justice would be if George Floyd were still alive 
And if all the black and brown lives we've lost to police brutality and white supremacy were able to go home to their families and live. Still, Derek Chauvin being found guilty on three accounts is a huge step. And it is because of the hard work of activists across the country and the world that dedicated every day to this effort. We'd like to name a few of those organizations now, and we plan to continue spotlighting organizations on this platform. We need to keep our feet on the gas. Because of the work of these organizations and many others, movements rose across the country demanding justice in the murder of George Floyd. There are so many organizations that did this work, but here are a few. Reclaim the Block, Black Visions Collective, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, Campaign Zero, The Bail Project, Color of Change, the Know Your Rights Camp Legal Defense Initiative, and of course, Black Lives Matter. Shortly before the Derek Chauvin verdict was announced, 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant was shot and killed by a Columbia, Ohio police officer. Just like George Floyd and the many Black men and women killed at the hands of the police, Micaiah should be alive right now. We need to keep our feet on the gas and demand police accountability and abolition. Say her name, Micaiah Bryant, Black Lives Matter. And yeah, so Nellie and I just, you know, really think it's important to, you know, call out these issues and also understand like the system of oppression that Black people face every day and also the system um, in the police across the country that is just so messed up and it needs to be addressed. Um, And even though we are two white women, you know, it would be, it would not be right for us to have a podcast about feminism without addressing these issues. So we just want all of our listeners to know that, you know, we support black lives and we want to see change in this country. Um, And yeah. Yeah. And we'll continue to spotlight, as we said earlier, we'll continue to spotlight these organizations that are putting in the work and engage in these conversations um, as much as we're able um, but we're going to dive into this week's movie. Um, we're keeping in the rhythm of recent weeks, um, and we're diving into a newer movie today because last week we had our Oof, That Didn't Age Well series, and we encourage you to go listen to that. That was um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. If you want to go listen, if you haven't yet, def, def recommend. Um, this week, we're talking about I Care A Lot, a 2020 American dark humor film written and directed by Jay Blakeson that stars Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, Ayuza Gonzalez, Chris Mazina, and Diane Weist, and was released on Netflix this past February. The film follows a court-appointed guardian who seizes the assets of elderly people for her own only for her to get mixed up with a dangerous gangster. Let's dive in. So um, we've had this one on our list for a little while now. And I wonder just if there are just kind of general uh, reflections uh, post-watching the movie um, slash why you think it's worth us talking about it. So I think it's worth feminist critique because the main character is this woman who is very advanced in her career she's making a lot of money she's very powerful and confident and so on the outside um 
she's definitely like a girl boss. I know we're going to talk a lot about the girl boss trope and the girl boss just identity later in the pod. But essentially it's this woman and she's like killing it in corporate America in the sense that she is like making a lot of money in this scam. Um, And um, essentially it's just like a powerful woman character and an evil woman character, which uh, if you listen to the pod, you know, I love a good evil woman. Um, And so it only made sense. I feel like we don't need to just watch movies that empower women in the right way, but we should also critique the movies that attempt to show empowering women and are doing so in that, in in an ironic way. Like the creators of this movie obviously were not trying to convince us that Marla, the main character, is a good role model for a businesswoman. So I think it's still important to critique the ironic movies and like realize kind of the message they're going to portray as well. Yeah. And also, I think how they parallel like real life people, even if it's, and I think that goes back to what we're going to talk about about the girl boss. So I'm teeing us up for that. But I think just another, just to give, um, little bit more brief kind of background like basically this woman she is like exploiting elderly people by working alongside a doctor who will then proclaim them as kind of unfit to um care for themselves and for their assets and then basically marla who's the main character is then appointed their legal guardian um and she is has a whole wall full of um elderly people that she's a guardian for and so and to me I mean this I'm always skeptical of um like long-term care facilities or or like uh, assisted living facilities because I do feel like like bottom line they're businesses so I do think like even before I watched the movie I was like okay this is gonna dive into something that's pretty I don't know something I've already kind of thought about in terms of how these businesses that work um to like care facilities ultimately their goal is to make money it's not necessarily to care for people and I'm sure there is a right way of doing it but to me I I worry that this the model that's represented here is probably well it may not be happening to this extreme it actually it might be more common than we realize so anyway that's not the point of what we're going to talk about today but it was something I was thinking about um while watching the movie I watched it a couple or a couple months ago at this point um, with my parents, not gonna lie, I was, a, uh, I had had like a few drinks when I was watching it. So it was helpful to watch it. I was actually, <laughs> I, it was, a, you know, I was like Friday night kind of deal with my parents in quarantine. Um, queen. <laughs> but, but, um, I just watched it again this morning. So that was definitely like two different kind of mindsets of absorbing the information. So it was definitely helpful to watch it again today. And um, yeah, there were things that I caught that, that I caught this time that I hadn't caught the first time. Um, So I'm excited to unpack it. There's lots of instances where like very, it's like diet feminism is veiled over like, manipulation so when diet feminism just to clarify diet feminism being just like a smaller version of it or it's like you know the snl skit no it's not snl diet racism 
it's like feminism that suppose it's like veiled feminism almost like instances where marla is like oh that guy is just intimidated by me because i'm a powerful woman and i got the better of him it's like no miss girl you're a bitch sorry (laughs) i thought someone was coming into my hotel room i was like uh (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no, I definitely want to dive into that. And I think that actually is a great transition into this girl boss conversation because I think girl boss feminism is a very specific pick and choose feminism, if I'm mm-hmm. understanding what you're saying. And I actually yeah. think it'll be really interesting to talk about this because um as you and I both know, and I'm sure folks who are listening know this whole or have seen this girl boss gas like gatekeep meme. Um, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, and Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, but this stems from a kind of, uh, it's a satire, I guess, played off of, um, or maybe a parody of, of, um, Live, Laugh, Love. And then a lot of folks have said that, like, in, um, in like friendships of three, there's a girl boss, a gaslight, and a gatekeep, um, which I think is really interesting because basically girl boss feminism is kind of. You should see our planning doc. Nellie has so many. <laughs> um, to quote Amanda Mole um, from The Atlantic, and she writes in an article, The Girl Boss and the Myth of Corporate Female female empowerment she writes when women centered their worldview around their own office hustle it just creates the power structure built by men but with women conveniently on top and keith a spencer from salon um basically uh characterizes the girl boss as the lady entrepreneur entrepreneur who success is divine is defined in opposition to the masculine business world in which she swims upstream. So basically the idea is that like girl bosses are taking the uh, kind of corporate capitalist standard that is set by men and often, um, well, um, nearly always men are at the top of, um, it's an incredibly like patriarchal standard and then kind of working within that standard to, um, climbs to the top. And it's a very narrow element of, of feminism, in my opinion, because it's, it, it, it oftentimes, a lot of the examples we have of the girl boss, which I think really kind of that term rose in 2020, um, 2014 when the founder of Girlboss or sorry when the writer of Girlboss who is the founder of Nasty Gal um which that would be a cool movie for us to talk about at some point I don't know if you've seen it Pete but um basically these kind of these these uh female founded brands were really climbing to the top but it was very specifically white women who were still exploiting um their workers oftentimes and also not necessarily uh actually combat combating systemic racism and systemic sexism instead they were kind of more so being the the exception to the norm and it's a very like neoliberalist ideal that you're going to be the one person who climbs to the top and solves feminism like that 
that just like isn't really how it works but in the case of marla and with the whole girl boss gaslight gatekeep thing i feel like she embodies all of these things so in the case of her she's not necessarily i mean she works primarily alone apart from her partner fran um but she is the girl boss the gaslighter and the gatekeeper in this context and Pete, i just love to hear i just i just of course dumped a whole bunch of <laughs> brain matter onto the <laughs> onto the pod but if you have thoughts in terms of the girl boss the girl boss um feminism and also or just the girl boss trope in general and um how that relates to marla yeah, so I, when I think of girl boss, I actually associate it with MLMs, multi-level marketing corporations, or they're not, not, not even corporations, just like multi-level marketing businesses. Um, and which are? <clears throat> I know, but some people may not know. <laughs> Give some examples, like, maybe. Call them out. Put them on blast. Arbon. Um, <laughs> So, like, the really big ones are, like, It Works and uh, Beachbody, Arbonne, um, Mary Kay, yeah, Cutco, like, Cutco, yeah. Cutco <laughs> cut knives in my house. We love Cutco Is knives. Is Tupperware considered MLM? Yes. Isn't that, like, the OG one? We used to, we talked about that in, um, yes. in the WGS. Yeah, so like essentially, and this is some I listened to a podcast all about MLM MLMs. They're it's called the Dream. Um, but essentially this woman started selling Tupperware containers in her house, would have house parties and like sell them. She didn't even work for Tupperware. And so then like Tupperware was like, Oh, that's a great idea. Literally stole her idea. She didn't make any money from it. And so that's why like Tupperware house parties became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um and it was the OG one, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Dude, did I wait? Sorry, sorry, no, sorry to cut you off completely. But one time when I was a freshman at Swanee, before I took so freshman at Swanee first semester, second semester, I took intro to women's and gender studies, and we talked about Tupperware in that. Mm-hmm. But freshman fall, wow, I'm just remembering this. Freshman fall, I went to um like some some friends and I went down the mountain to Fiesta Grill to Cowan. Um, and we Love Fiesta Grill. Yeah, love love Fiesta Grill. But while it was happening, like some Cowan County Fair was happening, and we were like, "Oh, cute! Let's walk around." There were all these like um, tables uh, set up, like booths, and one of them was a Tupperware booth. And this woman like just was really like charismatic, and I was like, "Whatever, I'll talk to this woman." Not knowing at all that's an MLM, like just knowing that Tupperware is a brand that like I definitely have purchased from before, like not <laughs> not really knowing anything about it because obviously it's such a huge brand. And this woman basically convinced me to sell Tupperware. And mm-hmm. I remember taking her, con- like, I gave her my contact info. I took her contact info. I, like, got emails from her. I was like, how the fuck am I going to sell Tupperware on Swanee's campus? Can you imagine mm-hmm. if I had done that? But I remember mm-hmm. that being a thing, and I, like, erased that from my memory. But yeah, the girl was almost a girl boss. <laughs> Nelly, I could have been on this podcast being like, so my Tupperware sales are coming down this <laughs> We'd be doing ads for Tupperware instead of having zero ads. Like, truly, like, I'm not going to get into my whole spiel because, like, I... We can have a whole episode on MLMs. We can have a whole episode about MLMs. Maybe we should think about that. Yeah. But um, it truly is, like, 
an ex it's exploiting mostly women like MLMs were designed to capture women because like we think about the patriarchy like back in the day um like women were at home and how could they make money at home by having these Tupperware parties or Mary Kay parties and it's also like now in the age of social media it's telling women oh you can make money from home just by posting stuff on your stories so that's really not it like MLMs you make money by getting people in your downline and getting them to purchase products and sell products um so it, it really is focused on women and like you look at these corporations Mary Kay is owned by a man like the CEO of Mary Kay and Arbonne these like makeup and like skincare companies they're owned by men and they're exploiting millions of women and like most women make a hundred dollars a year maximum and then they end up just spending that on more products so that they can sell it it's a whole thing I really suggest if y'all like podcasts listen to the dream but so like I think nowadays especially in the anti-MLM community people call those people girl bosses or the huns because they'll always be like hey hun are you interested in my product? It's like, no girl boss, go away. But <laughs> they no use boss. the term girl boss to like have fake empowerment and being like, look at me. I am literally my own boss. First off, no, you're not. There is a CEO of the actual company. Well, also Second like off, once you get locked into MLMs, you are like kind of stuck there. Like you yeah. have to keep working within it to get a payout, correct? Yeah. And most people honestly end up in debt because of it. Like Exactly. So you're de- the opposite. You're literally yeah. a negative girl boss. Yes. Cool. Um, <laughs> second off, it kind of takes away from actual small businesses because yeah. you know, like you just said, that those like fairs or like sidewalk markets are supposed to be like people who like actually create soap or actually create yeah, there were like artisans craft. there yeah and like like small rural tennessee artisans and then there's a tupperware thing or like scentsy which is like candles like i don't want your candles i want homemade candles by some lady in the middle of tennessee i would purchase that i'm not going to purchase a scentsy candle right anyways <clears throat> it's really just like exploiting women and taking their money and then also we really should do a whole episode about this because I'm I'm feeling myself going on a tangent but then they also have this mindset of like if you're not successful it's not because our system is wrong it's because you're not working hard enough and so then that's why also so many people stay because they think oh I'm just not doing enough let me purchase more products let me try and get more people on my downline and then they end up in even more debt instead of just getting out when they realize something was wrong because they tell you, oh, if it's wrong, it's because of you, not because of our system. Also sounds like the police, but. Mm -hmm. Well, also a system I would like to abolish. So, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think going back to I care a lot and the girl boss, like I feel like in the case of Marla's character, she's someone that like, will use feminist values or ideas for her own personal gain but it's not necessarily it's a very like tunnel vision view of feminism and she will like she she says that thing to that man who is really angry at her she says here I'll pull the exact quote um she says does it sting more because I'm a woman that you got so soundly beaten in there by someone with a vagina 
Um, and then like also when she's having the conversation with Dean Erickson, who's the lawyer for um, Jennifer, who is the the mafia's mother, the, maf- the, the guy in the mafia's mother, Roman, um, she she like corrects him immediately when he assumes that the doctor is a is a man like there are just these few bits where you're like okay here here is like how we know that this is like what is in her mind driving her but ultimately Mm -hmm. like if you are in my mind's a true feminist and that means you're an intersectional feminist then you wouldn't want to be exploiting elderly people who are a um uh a in my in my mind very much so a marginalized community um who or at least that's an identity that is so easily exploited and taken advantage of and so um which she is literally doing it's not even like she is a kind of um and like it's not even like she's a bystander or something like that in this it's not like she's directly unrelated she is like the perpetrator in in this um in this uh act of inequality and oppression so it's very much how she uses feminism for her own self-interest which to me is what a girl boss is and i do think that relates to mlms like i recognize that some people end up in mlms because of like own like their own like socioeconomic socioeconomic position and I recognize that like it is a systemic issue as well and how the people within it that work for it are oftentimes exploited and taken advantage of but ultimately to to just say like oh I'm I'm my own boss I'm a girl boss like using that element of feminism while also like basically depleting small businesses like isn't again it goes back into the same thing like picking and choosing things just so it's for your own personal gain is really like I think what is the full encompassing element of a girl boss and I think going back to the gaslight and the gatekeeper thing obviously Marla is the gatekeeper of all of these people's lives and then also is gaslighting them into thinking that they are not capable of um not even like caring for themselves, but also just like making decisions for themselves and having autonomy over their life, whether that's choosing who their guardian is or, um, yeah, she's gaslighting everyone in this movie. She's a pretty, in my, not in like a, it is, it is just admirable how effective she is in gaslighting i'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. aspiring to be like her but it's pretty admirable how effective she is oh yeah she's a great villain um yeah and so that moment when she's like talking to the lawyer dean and says the doctor is a she that's one of those moments that i noticed and was talking about earlier it's like veiled feminism or diet feminism Mm -hmm. it's like Miss Girl, just because you're calling this lawyer out for, you know, assuming that a doctor is a male, which like, yeah, that is a sexist thing that we as a society are guilty of. I'm guilty of doing that. Just because you're going to call out one man for calling a doctor, he does not make you the queen of feminism. Because like you said, you're literally exploiting a marginalized group. Um, You're a terrible person. So I, I just thought it was so funny. And 
I literally oddly laughed when I was watching that because the irony in this movie is so good. Like at first I was like, how is this going to be a comedy? Because the first 45 minutes I was pissed. I hated Marla. I felt so bad for Jennifer because I really just was like this poor, this poor woman like she's so sweet so stuck yeah and also sorry can we just talk about how beautiful her house was inside and out i was yeah that also pissed me off i'm like this woman like she technically didn't do anything (laughs) to get like where she was her husband was like big big bad boy um, right and also took advantage of women like that's one thing that I also found so funny about this movie is they you're not supposed to like anyone you're not supposed to like anyone and here I was starting to root for the mafia (laughs) okay Peter Dinklage like come rescue I love him and then and I think they really convinced you they're like you're gonna be rooting for Peter Dinklage and then I remember so vividly the guy brings in those photos of the women and they're like here are the drug mules and I was like yikes yeah i was just rooting for that a sex trafficker mm-hmm. well that's something actually i missed the first time i watched it i don't know if i got up to pee or what i missed that just specific thing or if i was just being an idiot and didn't see it the first time when i saw it, i was like Whoo. i was like that was Mm-mm. big for me i was like oh we're not supposed to be rooting for this guy because he's also a misogynist if he uses women as drug mules yeah he's um, also exploiting people right they're they both are using exploitation to their to make buckets of money it's insane i found the only remotely likable person and she's still evil but remotely likable person was fran for me see mine was still jennifer i I mean i love jennifer i guess maybe the two of them but jennifer just tips off we'd like stop seeing her midway through the movie i keep being like bring back jennifer where is she um and then we see her at the very end but feel about fran because it's like how can you possibly be in love with someone as disgusting as marla do you think she was manipulated we can yeah, I think Marla. That. I think Marla's incredibly convincing so i mean i think it's not to like say that their love wasn't real or anything but i also think no i think their love is real i yeah. definitely do but, but I, I think, also think that she was kind of a sociopath oh yeah and i think fran is a little bit too but i think that we we see like a more human side to her i think um i think we see that she's like okay well we should just run away we should leave like yeah she's friends only be- smart one yeah she's like, which i think is why i like her and in, in the end i'm rooting for her but again we'll we'll talk about the end later mm-hmm. but um let's talk more since we're kind of on the topic of these characters and the the villains which mm-hmm. is all of them <laughs> um but what do you think i know we talked about this already but you are always looking for more more female villains do you feel like this fits the bill or do you feel like it comes up short what what do you what are your thoughts oh I think it fits the bill perfectly like Rosamund Pike moment of silence I mean she's still alive but like we need to just appreciate her she played Jane in the Pride and Prejudice movie aka the sweetest character and then she also plays Amy from Gone Girl which is like a mix of Jane and Marla in the sense of like She's portraying this sweet, cool girl. 
in reality she's a sociopath in this movie she is full-on sociopath and pike just does a phenomenal job she's such a great actress and portrays this character um perfectly i think and so the actual character of marla herself oof she grinded my gears she she was pissing me off i did not like her but at the same time i did like her as a villain if that makes sense um i think it was very intentional that marla was unlikable like you can't i i think you cannot like her yourself unless you are also a sociopath um if you if you do i'm sorry if i offended someone and we can talk about that but i think like they portrayed her in the sense like she is almost impossible to be liked because she is so evil but i think that makes a really good movie a really interesting character and a really interesting conversation i feel like sometimes i find myself it's not necessarily that i like these villains but there are qualities in them that i admire in terms of like drive and strength it's oh, not saying sure. that like i want those things to be like I, I aspire to be someone who exploits people for my own personal gain but I do think there are times where I'm just like like I'll find myself and I don't think it's like truly liking them but I find myself being like okay respect a little bit like I'll be like okay like she's yeah. doing her and that's what I think makes a good villain I mean I think it what it's what makes me like villains in like high school dramedy movies like mm-hmm. I mean that's like what I like like Sharpay Evans, for example, who is obviously a more complex character and doesn't. Sharpay was not the is... villain. She was portrayed as the villain, <laughs> but she's not the real villain. We should do High School Musical. <laughs> um, but I know what you mean. Like, if you want to come on and be a guest for a High School Musical episode, th- this is us. Asking us. You. But I get what you're saying. You would not invite Marla to your Tupperware party. Well, I would not be hosting a Tupperware party, but yes. <laughs> I know I came close, but if you had a Tupperware party, no. you would not invite Marla. <laughs> um I do think when um I was reading an article by Stephanie Zacharek for Time that is that the title is I care a lot misses its shot at a great female villain which is kind of critical um and one of the quotes that stood out to me that I would love to hear your thoughts on if you're willing I'll be happy to share mine as well but she says quote one of Blakeson's points seems to be that women need to be this bad to get any respect from men this notion is telegraphed heavily in a scene with Chris Messina as a heavy-hitting lawyer who's unable to countenance the fact that some doctors many in fact are women what we were talking about before but i care a lot isn't clever or perverse enough to make this idea sing it's cynicism is both clean and boring and its most intriguing character jennifer played with a spicy undercurrent of devious by weast disappears halfway through the movie only to reappear conveniently at the end jennifer's story might have been the true bad gal key to a to i care a lot if only blakeson could have bothered to tell it so do you think that if they had developed Jennifer a bit more, she would have been like the dream female villain? Or do you that think you're like, okay? Like, point. yeah. Are you, are you satisfied with Marla or do you think there could have been Oh, more? no, I think Jennifer 
could have been the star of the show if like she did some badass stuff and like killed a bunch of people to get out of there that would have been the perfect movie for me um now that I'm thinking about it I did like I did wish there was more from Jennifer and that's not like the actress's fault or the character it was like yeah the writing she did really disappear yeah um because like women villains that I like are ones that it's like revenge movies kind of Mm -hmm. even if it is like bad revenge like Gone Girl specifically we talk about how Amy has this perverse reality that Nick is well Nick is a bad husband he's like cheating on her and he isn't being a good like partner but at the same time that doesn't mean you fake your death and get him executed by the state right um but because there's that that revenge and that betrayal it almost like not excuses it but makes for an interesting thought process on who are you rooting for in this movie because girl girl boss oh my god I almost called gone girl girl boss because <laughs> gone girl's ending shows like they're both terrible people and that's why they end up together because they both are performing a role to win the other one back whereas this one there's no good reason why Marla is exploiting old people besides the fact that she wants to get rich and so for me that's not good of good enough of a reason for her evil doings and so well, I think her character is super rich and super like interesting I wasn't able to like root for her because her intentions were bad and this sounds really bad and we should might have to take it out but like if she was just like exploiting men I'd be fine with that because not old men like just normal men that were like a part of the patriarchy because then I think you could argue oh well she's trying to take down the patriarchy but if you're just like putting old people in old home old folks homes like that's that's not good that's not yeah that's and if she were only doing it to old men I wouldn't be cool with it either yeah me neither um the I mean I uh the I think the commonality between this archetypal bad gal that Stephanie Zacharit talks about and the girl boss is just that they they kind of rise in pop culture and in society in general when people have this attitude that like in order to like fix the system with with from within you have to really be only out for yourself um as a woman and I think that 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 development doesn't happen with Jennifer because Jennifer is just reliant on her son in the end who like I think like ultimately Jennifer isn't well like is deaf a bad bitch she isn't necessarily and like when oh my god big quotable moment of Jennifer's is when she's like high on the pills and then they're like talking and then she says quote where is it are you about to curse yeah (laughs) she says then have at it you crock of (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh I literally had to rewind that. I was like, did she just say that? You know and that like that. TikTok that's like, fuck being good, I'm a bad bitch. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's like, then have at it, you crock. 
And then it's like, fuck being good. I'm a bad bitch. I feel like someone should make that TikTok. If we had a TikTok, we could do that. Maybe we should make a TikTok. Maybe. Feminist means TikTok. Um, but anyway, I just think that, like, if Jennifer's character had been developed more, like, she would have had to be, like, more independent and self-sufficient, I think, to be able to fit within this scope of what we are considering to be bad gal archetypes and female villains and girl bosses, which, like, perhaps we don't want to fit her within those trips, but think that's but i think the point that um that stephanie zacker zacharek zacharek i do disagree like with one of the points she made about how um or she thinks that blake blakeson's point seems to be that women need to be this bad to get any respect from men i don't think that's necessarily true i think she just had to be this bad to get this much respect from also a bad man like she only gains respect from evil people as well so I think like if she was dealing with not a mob boss they would have respected her they wouldn't have respected her for the game she was playing but because she was in works with also another evil character that's why that they respect her not because she's a bad woman but because she's a bad person but I think if she was working with a man who was not a mob boss, she wouldn't have got, like, there's nothing she could have done to got, get his respect. Except for probably fall in love with him. Based on the, the storylines we've seen thus far, I don't think they would have just gone, like, been good people and gone into partnership together and him, I don't know. Maybe this is an extreme claim. Well, but, I still think that, it, like, the whole point is, like, the o- the only reason why they went into partnership together is because they're both evil. Right. And, like, I don't think a good person, man or woman, would have gone into partnership with her. And it's not because she's a woman. It's because she's a terrible person. And so I just think it would also be hard to imagine, like, a man respecting her in the business that she's doing and I don't think there would be, I don't, I just don't think any person could respect her for the mm-hmm. business she's doing. And that has nothing to do with her gender. It's the fact that what she's doing is horrible. Right. And so that would be my argument is that any person that has a set of morals would see this and is bad and wouldn't want to do business with her. Um because she's exploiting people I just don't think like I I would argue that she gains respect from Peter Dinklage's character which I what is the name of him was it Roman well that's not his real name that's his identity that he steals but yeah yeah okay well she like she gains his respect because she plays the game that he plays and like you know actually maybe part of it could be like in the end he wants to partner with her because he's never met a woman with that amount of drive but I really think he's never met another person who is willing to do as much as she does to become rich and he sees that same like drive that she has that he has in her and that's why they go into partnership together is because they both have that same level of evilness that same level of drive and that same like great like the, they both crave wealth and um, notoriety and power. 
But she also wouldn't have gotten to this level of success without him. Or she wouldn't have nearly as quickly, which causes me to think whether this is... I mean, I think it's probably more... Obviously, it's so... um, I mean, I'm sure this extreme... These extreme things happen, but obviously it is very extreme. But causes me to think that, well, it's more realistic, but also that it still isn't I mean I don't think it's feminism in any way but I feel like it's especially not feminism well I don't know am I making sense I don't really know what your point is what do you mean like my point is just that like or, or I guess it's still it goes back to what we were talking about earlier that like the girl boss is a facade it's mm-hmm. not something that you can really achieve it, it it's this kind of veiled feminism of neoliberal that is really like hand in hand with neoliberalism in the sense that like you as one individual can climb to the top. It's very dis- or it's very interconnected to this idea of the American dream. But ultimately, in the case of like MLMs, in the case of this movie, like she still really does need to work within a a system that is created by men and then ultimately needs the support of a man to like get to the level that she's at yeah for me that's what i think is like the disconnect between i mean amongst other things between this and feminism because i think we see girl bosses as being feminist because it's like women in power which is an important thing but also ultimately it's like the whole system that needs reworking because people are still going to be exploited and like it's it's never going to fully be not that like it's not to say that collaboration with between men and women can't happen but Mm -hmm. it's like can a woman actually climb to the top without working within a system that is created by men and with with like the leadership of a man even if it's like even if like the uh the leadership appears to be by a woman there's still someone behind the scenes right that is controlling it so that was and a I weird think, roundabout way of getting to that point no no no, no. and that makes thinking. a lot of sense and that also i think goes back to the whole point i've been trying to make this whole podcast which is marla is not a feminist she claims to be a feminist right. with her little like you're scared of me because i'm a woman or the doctor is a woman and you assumed it was a man. She's not a real feminist, and she knows that. She's using like some little bits of the bits of you know feminist rhetoric to act like she is a strong, empowered woman. But she knows damn well she is abusing the system, and she's exploiting people. And a true feminist wouldn't do that. And that's why she is so willing to go into partnership with Roman. Because she doesn't care that there is a man helping her and that she is a part of the system because her her whole point is to be rich and powerful. And like, it's all BS, everything else. Like her being, you know, the youngest female CEO on Forbes or whatever at the end. Like she doesn't care about all that stuff. She just wants to be in power. She's not a real feminist and she knows that and she's okay with it. Yeah. As long as she gets her money and her power right she's an individualist (laughs) um like the only person that she maybe cares about is fran Mm -hmm. apart from herself 
Well, I think it sounds like we just answered our feminism question, unless you have more to add based on that. But I mean, still on the topic real quick of female villains. I also want to talk about LGBTQ representation because I didn't read as many like articles as you did, but I was looking at the Wikipedia page for this movie and they kind of put a little recap of people's opinions on it. And this movie Mm. did really well um, rating wise. And also I do think Rosamund Pike won a Golden Globe for her role in this uh, film. And I think it's also nominated for some Oscars, maybe? Just I might miss this it. weekend. So oh, maybe when this not. is I don't when know. this is released, maybe we'll know more. <laughs> it was definitely nominated for Golden Globes and won some Golden Globes. Um, and I think that's well deserved because it really is an interesting movie and the characters are very well done. Mm-hmm. As much like I think if you hate a character or get frustrated at them the writers and the actors are doing something right this movie makes so, you think a lot which yes. is good yeah which is but, why we have so much to talk about today i feel like i know um but this um this magazine called out which is you know i am guessing yeah. i didn't look that much <laughs> into it but it is an lgbtq mm-hmm. run magazine they were not happy spoiler we're about to talk about the ending anyways but marla dies in the end she gets mm-hmm. shot point blank um, and she dies in Fran's arms, her her wife. And Marla is a lesbian, as we have seen this whole movie. And mm-hmm. Out was like, this movie was great, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they did not like the ending mm. because of this unfortunate trope where LGBTQ characters always die. Um, I think we have oh. talked about that in an earlier podcast I can't remember exactly but like it really is unfortunately a trope we are seeing where like gay and lesbian I don't even know trans characters if this is the case for them but especially in 2010 when or like the 2010s when more LGBTQ characters were introduced in TV shows they always would die and like people started calling out shows being like stop killing off you know the gay and lesbian couples that like we like that gay youth need to see like we need to see happy endings for yeah gay couples but I would honestly argue like it is like that trope is is problematic when good characters die but I think when a bad lesbian character dies I don't think that is part of that trope because I think Marla had to die in this movie and I don't think it is necessarily a problem when an evil character who is a lesbian dies because that is not you know perpetrating the trope that good gay characters have to die right well I think if Fran had died it might have been different because I think Fran was a little bit more morally good. If Fran had died that would I think that argument would be a little bit more like I would be able to be convinced more by the argument. Obviously I'm not part of the community so I don't necessarily like have the the weight that this carries like with like I, I don't feel that as much but I do think that like the the movie does a good job of kind of giving you both scenarios of what how the movie could end while Mm -hmm. ultimately there is one that is 
chosen, but you get a glimpse into the possible ending of her being this successful, happy, um, uh, achieving, loved person. Um, and I, I think if you want, you can turn the movie off then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I agree that like they're probably there. Right. I agree with what out had to say that there is a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of giving, um, happy endings and love stories and I think it speaks back to when we were talking about Shit's Creek that like mm-hmm. uh, having stories that aren't all about uh hardship and overcoming adversity they're more just about experience and love and I don't know other things that life has to offer and and they're definitely having the hardship um narrative is really important as well but I think finding that that nuance within the industry is going to be important in the case of representation. But I feel like it actually, I think is important to the storyline in terms of the feminism of the movie that they are a queer couple, because I think if I would be so much less convinced of like the female villain of Marla, if all this time she was working in collaboration with a man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that she's working along alongside a woman does really kind of portray the, while it's still this neoliberal girl boss feminism, it's still more a more convincing feminism. And I think it plays back to, I don't know if you know much about the history of um, lesbian feminism, which was coined in like the seventies and eighties. And it was kind of this idea that like, how can you battle the patriarchy if you're sleeping with the enemy? Um, and obviously, like, you and I We're do both. that. <laughs> but We're I think that it is a compelling argument. I mean, obviously, I don't I, – I just – I think it's compelling. That's, like, bottom line what I would say. Like, I think, yeah, like, if you're going to, like, go out and fight the patriarchy and then go home and climb into bed with the enemy, then that is definitely a a – a point you know like and I think if that 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 argument I think I definitely would have seen rise within this movie if she had been um working alongside a man I mean it goes back Mm -hmm. to that argument I made about the fact that like she works with a man in the end like I just think it and maybe this play is more just showing kind of a narrow-minded view of feminism that I have perhaps like maybe it is something I need to sit with and question more but um I also uh, think it was sorry. No, 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 I, no, no, no. I do that okay. you constantly pay. It's fine. Oh my god, no, you don't. Okay. Um, I also think it's important. Not well, maybe not important is the right word, but an interesting new take on a villain. Um, because I think it is important in this case that if the villain is a lesbian. Her sexuality is not the reason why she is vilified, you know, because I think oftentimes. Yeah, absolutely. You and I, in our women and gender studies seminar, we would see like trans characters were vilified because they were quote unquote lying the whole time about their identity. Um, And I think I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are movies that were, you know, created back in the day where like gay characters were vilified for trying to hit on a man or trying to hit on a woman and like they were seen as the enemy 
but here we finally have like a character who is a lesbian but she is not evil because of her sexuality she is evil because of what she does and I you know I think just like women need to have representation in villains I think the LGBTQ plus community can also have a villain absolutely who is bad because of who they are not because of their sexuality yeah LGBT LGBTQ folks just like they need cheesy holiday movies mm-hmm. like we talked back in September they also need villains like all these communities everyone needs every genre mm-hmm. <laughs> um to be able to see themselves in in kind of every character trope obviously that's not always possible but mm-hmm. depending on the trope but I think in this case very much so all right should we so, talk about the ending and then I talked about this before we started recording but essentially spoiler so Marla gets shot point blank by this guy because we see him in the very beginning of the movie, the one who called her a bitch and spit in her face um, because she would not, she would not allow him to see his mother. And, you know, a few years after that, when Marla is rich and famous, um, it, this man's mother dies alone in the home because Marla would not allow anyone to see her and so the guy with nothing left to lose finds her and shoots her and she dies in the parking lot and I just found it so interesting and ironic how this you know girl boss rich beautiful powerful lesbian who is on paper like without the backstory of the movie she is such an empowering figure I'm sorry I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see is everyone except for me (laughs) this this girl boss is shot by this redneck misogynist but who are we rooting we don't know that he's a mis well I guess he says I hope you get raped so that's not great I think like it's implied that because he called her a bitch and spits in her face and yes said I hope you get raped I kind of forgot about that but like I think yeah, it's that part I was be, like, ooh. It's supposed to be like, implied that he's like a sexist redneck and blah 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 on paper. Like that is yeah. what feminism okay. would be against. Yet uh-huh. he shoots this rich, powerful woman, but we are cheering for him. Or I don't know. I was. I was so you happy. empathize with him for sure. Ooh. I don't know if you're like bravo, sir. But no, you're I said bravo. But you totally get where he's coming from, which I think is why I'm probably quick to be like, well, I don't know if he's a misogynist just because I don't want to be rooting for a misogynist. Yeah, you're totally right. But I I do think like the irony is like who and like the question of like who is good in this movie? No one. But who are you rooting for? The guy who said, (laughs) I hope you get raped and then shoots the woman. Like I was I was like for you oh my god it has this questioning our moral compasses no it really does and i think that's the whole point it's like you want the feminist girl boss to die i was so happy when she got shot yeah i was like thank you sir for your service you just sacrificed (laughs) your life to shoot the villain um Yeah. So I and I, I don't think, know if you have anything further about that point but sorry my sweater got stuck under my chair i think um I think kind of just I I would just reiterate what I said earlier like this movie does a good job of showing you two two outcomes and you think it's going to be one thing and then she does die and you are kind of like in that moment I was pretty sad for Fran to be honest but then the crazy thing is that Fran is probably going to go then and and inherit the company and the role 
And yeah, you go, girl. Well, <laughs> you go for I don't it. know if it's you go, girl. It just goes to show that even if you kill the perpetrator, the system still remains. And maybe not kill them, like hold them accountable in some way if, if she had gone to prison or something like that. It just goes to show that the system still re- remains. And ultimately, I think that this is a parallel to so many things that are going on right now. And... um like, I mean, not to say that these issues are the same thing, but it's still just exploitation of lives and, and ruining of lives. And in this case, killing of lives. Like, I think Derek Chauvin going to prison obviously is a step, but there are all these other other um, officers that have co- committed murder and are still walking free. And mm-hmm. so just goes to show that, like, one person being held accountable doesn't mean the system is going to be kept in right. place which i mean i didn't i didn't walk into this intending to like draw on the parallels between this and the murder of george floyd i think they're very different issues obviously but i think it does just speak to the fact that like you can hold the perpetrator accountable but the system remains and mm-hmm. that's very much the case in this movie like fran's probably going to go and work for them and then they were going to make even more money and exploit even more lives so mm-hmm. um which but I, think- I do think my last point will be like Marla got what she wanted. She said in the beginning of the movie, and she said when Roman do it till she dies. Basically, Roman was like, "I'll kill you," and she was like, "That's fine." And he's like, "You're not scared of death," and she's like, "I'm not scared of 1807. I wasn't there, so like, I'm not scared of death either. I want to be rich." She said, "Point like, I don't care if you kill me. I want to be rich." She got what she wanted. She wanted to play the game. She just wanted to. She didn't she, really care about the rich. outcome. She just wanted to play the game. She, she never said, I want to be rich forever. She said, I want to be rich. She was rich. And she got she got what she wanted, but she also got what she deserved. And right. It's I'll not say. like she was like, can't wait to go and retire in the countryside. She was like, I'm going to hustle till the day I die. <laughs> and, and she, she did. did. Yes. Girl, boss. <laughs> feminist? No. Um, I would say the only like feminist argument you could do is like, if you're saying... Like, I think it's a great representation of an evil woman. Evil woman, yeah. So, like, that representation is feminist in the point of, like, we need evil women characters. I'll say and that. And bringing to light, I think, the girl boss, like, the, yeah. the complications within the girl boss trope. Like, I think the movie intentionally was, like, making fun of the girl boss trope. And so I think it's feminist in that accord. But at the same time, it's also making fun of feminism where you are exploiting other people for the sake of your own gain yeah so like which isn't feminism in my mind the movie like the characters and the story itself is not feminist but the overarching point that the movie is trying to portray Mm -hmm. is feminist i agree we love a nuanced answer not yes no nuanced we love ironic movies no this movie is really good and you know what it makes me want to watch and we need to do i think not next week. High school we'll musical. Do... <laughs> no, but yes. Um, uh, Promising Young Woman. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, We really need to watch that. We'll Let's spend that, that money. In a couple of weeks, yeah. Um, Maybe when it's not $20. Um, well, is there a quote that we want to use? Or we've already shared a couple, but. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that just like made me laugh. I, I thought um, when she's like, is it, is this... she was like, is that a is that a threat and then um dean erickson goes no it's just data for you to call it <laughs> that had me i haggling. love dean dean yeah. is so also funny. obviously your little crock of
a great one. I um, tried to save that word for like special occasions. Oh, I do not use that word. I've said it now three times on this podcast, but I don't use it. But ever anytime, mm, not really now. Anytime, anytime Jennifer Jennifer is saying "Don't touch me," I think that's a quote right there. Queen shit, like like, stand your ground, ask for consent. Well, yeah, I think those are some. I love, I loved the point, and I I don't remember the exact like quote, but when the gangsters break into the old folks' home, and Alexi is like, "Ma'am, where are you?" And Madame, he's right? saying Madame, oh, Madame, <laughs> Madame, and I'm like, I'm like, sir, can you say, ma'am? Like, I'm like, why oh, are you, you saying say Madame? Madame. Oh, I guess that's not even her real name, but like, she comes out of the bathroom and she's like, finally, y'all are here to break me out, and I was like, quaint. When you're a mobster's <laughs> wife, <laughs> mobster's mother. Sorry, married. Well, we don't know that her dad wasn't, or that his dad wasn't. Also, you're right. Okay. I know they weren't married. That was just a slip. Anyway, this has been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. Bye, girl bosses. <laughs> Bye, girl boss. Gaslight gatekeep. <laughs> Go out and exploit people for your own money. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>